The rest of you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're, uh, over the next, uh, over the fall semester, so to speak, we're going to be looking at several things. One's uh, what we're looking at this morning and telling stories of grace. We're going to kind of uh, do a few, few on this and then we'll move around. We're going to look at Revelation and, and get into, dive into Revelation and, and uh, the hope that we have. Uh, that Revelation gives us, and um, we're also going to look at just leadership in the church, um, things that help with that, and and how 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 the Bible has us has it organized as a church. I just shut off. There we go. Okay. Um, and so, uh, this telling stories of grace that we look at this morning is just something I've been thinking about uh, for a while in regards to just. How, as we talk about uh, our spiritual lives, how do we talk about it? And it's been something I was, I was thinking about over this past year, and especially uh, on vacation, I read a book on it, and it just helped me to kind of think about it some. But uh, can, the kind of the question maybe to think about for yourself that I've been pondering is, can you tell stories about what God is doing in your life on a regular basis? Are you able to rejoice in your relationship with God, or is he more like the government you know, he does stuff, and you're like, oh, man, why did you do that? Um, because if God's grace is active in our lives uh, in a, on a daily basis, in a sense of a moment-by-moment moment basis, shouldn't, shouldn't we be able to see and to, not to see because obviously we have to operate by faith, but should we be able to tell stories that help to point out his grace to others in our lives? But I find that even for myself, as I, as I seek to do that or to, to, to tell those stories, I struggle at times. And, and it, doesn't always, it doesn't always just come together for me. And I was just wondering, why does that happen? Because um, we struggle to, to sometimes identify God's grace in our lives. We, we miss it, right? We're, we're like going through life and, and then maybe a couple months later, like, oh yeah, that probably was God's grace in my life, maybe. Uh, or, or we have a story, but then we just, we're quiet, we're silent. We, we, uh, we struggle to, to say and to speak of what God has done in our lives. For, and we wonder why, why is that? We're going to look at a, a, a story this morning that kind of explores some of those reasons why. Um, but... For me, just thinking about that and thinking about, okay, how do, how, do we, how do we tell stories? So a story in my own life that just maybe illustrates the challenge of it, right? Um, my, uh, my wife and I were, uh, were helping our daughter move apartments. Um, it wasn't too hard. She doesn't have a lot of stuff yet. Um, and I, I enjoyed doing it. And in fact, frankly, she just moved from like the third story of one apartment to the first story of the apartment right next door. So it was like a 300-yard move, you know what I mean? But it takes more time, you know, than that. And uh, in, in the process of that move, um, Amy drove driven there a couple times, and then we were driving into the parking lot, and she's like, hey, hey, there's that guy there. He's, he's still working on his car. And I was like, oh, yeah, really? And I, I didn't see him at all. Um, and, and, uh, and so she's like, yeah, yeah, we should stop by and see if he needs help. I'm like, yeah, sure. But of course, 
priority is getting the daughter moved first, right? And so we unload everything, we drive out, and she's like, oh, did you see that guy? Was he, did he still need help? And I was like, I didn't see anything. So he probably doesn't need help, you know? And uh, so he probably got it done. And so she's like, okay. So we get wet and got a drink, and, you know, it's one of those times when the Holy Spirit kind of, like, touches your heart. It's like, you know what? You better check on that, because your wife she was sensing something, and so I was like, well, maybe we should go drive back and just see, and she's like, that's probably a good idea, so we drove back into the parking lot, and again, I don't see anything, and then she's like, he's right there, you know how women can sometimes find the ketchup bottle in the refrigerator, and you, you can't see it for anything, and she's like, it's right there, what's wrong with you, you know, that was kind of like that, you know what I mean, and like, oh yeah, so we pull up, and he's sitting there working on his, his, his tire, and it looks like he's doing more than changing his tire, but, you know, and so, uh, so I just rolled down the window, I was like, do you need help? He's like, yeah, can you unscrew this bolt for me? I'm like, I suppose I can try, and he had, he, he said he'd gotten this uh, ratchet set from a, fr from a, from one of the guys in the apartments around the village, you know, there's several apartments, and it was short, had no leverage, we couldn't, we couldn't move the bolt at all, but I, I was like, you're just, what are you trying to do? He's like, he's, I'm trying to change my brakes um, on, on my girlfriend's car. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I look at it. I was like, well, you don't need to take off what you're trying to take off. Just take off the brake pads because you already removed the caliper. And I was, he's like, he's like, oh, that was great. That's easy. And I was like, so we, he said, like, here's the brake pads. We started to put them on. But, um, but sometimes when they make the brake pads right, they're not the right size. They don't quite fit. They're, they're the right part, but they're, they're not, the tolerances are wrong. So we couldn't get the brake pads on. And uh, it's getting like 8.15 at night, you know, you're like, okay, it's going to get dark. I'm like, you, why don't you, he's like, I'm trying to get this done before tomorrow because I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, okay, we'll see what I can do. So, so, but we could, like, we had nothing to do. You actually had to grind the metal down. And I was like, well, I do have a friend who has stuff you can grind metal down with. And, and he's like, well, if he answers his, fo his phone at 8.15 at night, then yeah, let's try it. So I, and, uh. And the guy picked up, right, it, which he normally doesn't pick up at 8.15 at night, I'm just telling you. And, uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, you can borrow, I've got, I've got a portable one, you can just take it there and see. So I drove all the way there, all the way back, we grind it, we put it on, and then I'm like, I brought with me, because I'm like, he doesn't know what he's doing with his brake job. So I, I, I brought a C-clamp to, to move the caliper back. And uh, so we got the brake pads on, start to crank the try to move the caliper back, and it's, the, the clamp is not right. It's not the right fit. It's not right anything. And so we're like, you know how, nowadays what you do is you just jump on YouTube. You're like, okay, what does YouTube say about this problem? And uh, YouTube's like, you need to screw the caliper back in, not push it, not, not push it back in. And so we're like, we, of course, I didn't bring tools for that. He had no tools. I don't know why he thought he could change his brakes. He's just, and, and frankly, halfway through, he's like, he's just like, you know what? I just kept telling myself, you got to have faith that you can get this done. I'm like, well, yeah, you're, you're whopping around a lot of faith here. But as, as, we're, as we're, we're stuck, we can go no further. And, uh, and right then, a guy walks up from around the apartment building, and he's like, hey, do you need anything? I'm like, do you have needle and suppliers? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's kind of unusual in an apartment building. 
but, uh, but he did. He had it, and he started to, and so he grabbed the tools. So we, 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 uh, we finished the job up, actually, because he had all the rest of the tools that we needed. And, uh, and, and then we finished, and they were going to do the other, they were going to do the other tire, <laughs> and it was already, like, 9.45 at night. I'm like, well, you have all the tools. I'm taking off. <laughs> You're fine. And so, uh, and so I, you know, it's one of those things where you just do it, and you wonder, like, what was God doing at that? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, just something that you felt God wanted you to do. But you're like, okay, what's the result? I texted him. I texted him the next day. I was like, hey, did you get it done? He's like, yeah, thanks for your help. No, no problem. And to me, it was obvious, and somewhat to him, that God was supplying his need right when he needed it. Because I, I showed up, and then this guy, other random guy showed up just to help him finish the job. But, but what is, what's the point, right? Where is God's grace in that? Is that just something where it's just kind of a nice convenient story? Or is it something that, Oh, just one, one random thing that happened in your life? Or is God's grace at work? There's a story of something that happened back in the, actually back in the 70s, of a man named Christopher Carrier. Actually, he was ten, a 10-year-old at the time. A stranger approached him in the 70s, claiming to be a, a friend of his father. And he says, I want to buy, buy your dad a gift, but I need your help. And so he jumped in the car to help him to get the gift, which, as we all know, is a bad idea. <laughs> and yes, it was a kidnapper. He kidnapped him. He took him to a remote field, stabbed him, shot him in the head, and left him for dead in the Florida Everglades. Chris lay for six days until a driver found him. He survived his injuries, although he was blind in his left eye. Because he was unable to identify his attacker, pe police could not make arrests and arrests. For a long time, young Chris remained frightened, Finally, at, a, at an invitation given after a church hayride, Chris trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. He recalls, I was overwhelmed with emotion because I knew I had never really accepted and personally met the Savior. This turning point in Chris's life came three years after the attack. At age 15, Chris shared his story for his first time. He eventually decided to pursue full-time ministry, helping others find the peace he had discovered in Christ. In 1996, so over 20 years after it happened, a detective told Chris over the phone that a man had confessed to the crime that had cost him his left eye. The man's name was David McAllister. Chris made plans to visit the man who is now blind in a nursing home. The young, strong man Chris remembered was now a broken, humbled 77-year-old. Chris learned from the detective some of the background of what had happened. Chris had been hired by Chris's... David McAllister had been hired by Chris's dad... And then, and then fired for cause. The senseless attack on Chris was motivated by revenge on Chris's dad. As Chris now talked to the old man, at first McAllister denied knowing anything about it, but then he apologized. Chris said, I told him, what you meant for evil, God has turned into a wonderful blessing. God, Chris told his attacker how God allowed his wounds to become open doors to share the good news of Christ. Chris went home and told his wife and kids about meeting the man who had tried to kill him. The entire family began almost daily visits to McAllister's nursing home. During one afternoon visit, Chris popped the most important question he had yet asked to McAllister. Do you want to know Jesus? McAllister said yes. Both men basked in forgiveness as McAllister gave his heart to Christ. A few days later, he died. 
I mean, that's an amazing story, right? Of God's grace operating in challenging, traumatic, destructive events. And yet, do we? most of us would say, I don't have that kind of an amazing story. But we, we all have stories of grace. We all have ways God has touched our lives. And the problem is, is if we don't tell those stories, we don't pass on to our children, we don't pass on to our grandchildren, we don't pass on to people around us the amazing grace of God. And God gives us that grace so that we can pass it on, does he not? He wants that grace to be seen, to be magnified, not so that we can be great, nor that just so that he can be great, but also so that he can help others to know him. In fact, if we stop telling the stories of grace, Christianity dies. And so this question, what is Jesus doing in my life, and can I tell stories about it, is key, it's essential. Can we do it? And I just want to look at John chapter 9 this morning and ask, and just look at three ways it's challenging to share the grace of God in our lives and how this passage deals with them. So follow along in John chapter 9, if you have your Bibles. And uh, the first point that I want to help you notice here this morning is that you notice the gap in your stories. Notice the gap in your stories. Let's look at John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. It says, as he passed by, that is Jesus, is passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, the, the Jews the believed overall in a version of karma, that is, you get what you deserve. And so if, if you see a man born blind, there is, th th they immediately thought, right, hey, this man or his parents has done something wrong. Someone in his family has done something that would cause this man to deserve to be born blind, to have that, that disability from birth. And so they, they're trying to figure out, like, Jesus, you're the, you're the theologian, you're the, you're the man with the answers, like, how does this work? But you but think about it from the man's perspective, right? There's a gap in the story here, right? Jesus is coming saying that the common answers for how you would explain your story, the way that you would tell your story, are not true. Or, and, that you might know one part of your story now, but you don't know the whole thing. So there's a huge gap here. The man's born blind, and he lives with this disability, for, who knows, but he's described as a man, so he's probably at least 20 in Jewish culture. He could be up to 30. Like, like what's going on here? Why, well, like, there's a gap in the story, so to speak. And in our stories, too, when we're thinking about God's grace in our lives, we've got to notice, first of all, that sometimes there's just a gap in the story. We don't see the whole picture yet. And that's often the case. But sometimes you can see, at least in arc, you can see, see the story and, and see how it worked together. But often, there's a gap. We're saying, okay, I, I, there's this issue that's popped up, this event that's happened, this, this, uh, this problem that's occurred, and I don't see how God has answered that yet. And there's a gap. And 
when, we, when we're in the gap, so to speak, what we need to remember is that, one, God's still writing the story. God's still writing the story. And that not all stories are simply, this is, you know, this is the problem, and this is how God's applied. Sometimes stories are, are different than that. But at the same time, what we, what we sometimes do in the, in the gaps, so to speak, is we just try to fit in. We try to, try to, try to do the things that everybody else does. You know, there's a difference between fitting in and belonging. Fitting in kind of says, you know what, you've got to do kind of what everyone else does. You've got to fit in. You've got to fit what everybody else's expectations are. Belonging says you belong. Like, like, like it's not about you fitting everybody else's expectations. It's about you belonging for who you are. And grace is that unconditional acceptance that comes to us and says you're unique. You're, God has designed you and worked in your story and worked in your circumstances in unique ways. And there may be a gap in the story, but that's not about you moving to fit in. That's about you seeking to understand what God is doing in your story and how God is going to work in your story. So you have to notice, first of all, the gap in your story sometimes. You're like, well, why, why, why can't I finish the story yet? Well, because God hasn't written the end yet. But don't just try to fit it in. Fit in. Look at how God is moving you to feel like you belong, that he's, you're in the family. As we sing, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all my days, right? That's not because you fit in, it's because God loves you. But notice what happens in the story here is Jesus then heals him. He, he brings him, he calls the man to him, he spits on some mud, he puts the mud on his eyes and he sends him away, go wash in the pool of Siloam and, and, and you'll be healed. He does, he comes back, he is healed, Jesus is gone. And what I want you to see is not only when we try to tell these stories about grace, we do not only do we need to notice the gap sometimes in the stories, we don't have the full story yet, but we also need to ignore the disbelieving voices. Ignore the disbelieving voices. Notice verse 8. John chapter 9, verse 8. Go on to the next point there for me, Matt. That'd be great. It says this, John chapter 9, verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this... Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Like they're, 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 they're like, we can't believe this, this is true. Why? Well, partially because, again, Jews would have looked at him or his parents and said, you've sinned, it's your problem, you don't deserve God's grace. It'd be like the Democrats looking at Trump and saying, what, you've received God's grace? That's impossible, you know, or, you know, the Republicans to Biden, right? I mean, it's like, it's like it blows their categories that this person could receive God's grace, and in fact, they're like, it's got to be somebody else. They disbelieve it. It can't be possible that grace has come to you. Notice what it, they go on. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. You know, one of the common challenges you have here is, is these disbelieving voices. You start to sh talk about grace in, in your life. You start to say, this is what God's doing in my life. And, and they're, they're really like, where? Where is that grace? Where, where is he? 
I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. You know, we, we get caught up in the fact that people get caught up in the fact that they can't see what you see. And, and I get it to a certain extent, right? Because from the Jewish perspective, no one would do this and not seek to receive credit. You know what I mean? Like, like, you, like they, you heal the blind man born from birth, and then you're go, like, no one's around, you're, you're not around to receive the credit for it? Like, like who, would, who would do that, you know? And again, they're like, this doesn't, again, they just can't believe it. They can't believe this happened. And notice his response is, I don't know. I, I don't. And, and sometimes in, in, in this process, it's okay to be like, I don't know all the answers, right? Because part of grace is not knowing all the answers. It's not having all the, the dots lined up and yes, I can answer every question someone has. Notice what it goes on, verse 13. They brought him to the Pharisees. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly born blind. And now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This, is, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can this man, a man who is such a sinner, do such signs? And there was a dis division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. You know, here again, there's, not only do they say, where is he? They, the, the Pharisees then are like, well, it, it couldn't have been good. You know what I mean? They're like interpreting your story for you, right? They're, they're trying to say, you know, obviously God wasn't with this guy. This couldn't be a good guy that did this to you. It's got to be coincidence or luck or some other explanation. And, and they go into, like, how do we know this actually happened? And, 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 it, and in order for us to tell stories of grace, we've got to ignore those disbelieving voices. And you notice what the man does. He just keeps, he says, this, is, this is what I know happened to me. I was born blind. Now I can see. You know what I mean? Like, here's what I know happened. And the problem with those voices is they're not just external voices. It's not just when you tell your story out loud that someone questions it at times. They're also internal. You start trying to trace God's grace in your life. And one of your first questions you ask yourself is, well, where is he really? I'm not sure I can see him. I'm not really sure. And sometimes we're like, but this... This couldn't be good. Like, God couldn't be doing something good in this situation. It's got to be coincidence, or it's got to be luck, or it's got to be something else. I, I, even, it's not just the external things. It's the internal voices that get you way more than the external ones, actually. And so we refuse to speak. We, we stop what we could say about God's grace. Why? Because we've started to doubt and to disbelieve ourselves. We're like, where, where is God in the midst of this? And the story doesn't stop there. Because at, at this point, he's at least doing one thing. He's saying, I don't know all the answers, but this is what I know happened to me. And that's a great response to those disbelieving voices, whether they're in your head or they're from somewhere else, is I don't have all the answers. 
but I do know this. This is what I can cling to. This is what I know happened. But before we get fully into that, notice then that they up the ante. They question the demands. They make demands about about the story, and so we need to question those demands. Notice what happens, John chapter 9, verse 24. So for the second time, they they call his parents, right? They call his parents, and his parents are like, hey, uh, we're supposed to be the sinners in the story, and we don't want to be sinners, so uh, just talk to him, right? Um, And so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know, right? Here's that, I don't know all the answers. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. There's a lot going on here, both in the man's response. But I I want you to see the the demands they're making. Because they're basically, in a sense, trying to out-narrate the man, right? They're trying to say, look, we know the answer to the story. We know the interpretation of the story. The story is that the man was a sinner, but God used him anyway. And the man's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Do you ever get out-narrated in your stories of grace? Maybe you're talking about a blessing from God, and someone's just like, I got a raise. I got this new house. And, and they try to, they, in a sense, they, they, they just, they emphasize what they have themselves. They, they've got all this great stuff in their life. They've got this amazing life. And they're not interested in your story of grace. They're just out nearing, like, like I've got more. Or I, I, I worked so hard and I finally got that raise and I deserve it, right? Rather than stories of grace, they're out, narr- out narrating you with, I deserve what I've got. And they don't want to listen. And it's easy when someone tries to out-narrate you to just shut up. Right? Because, I mean, who doesn't want to be trumped with, yeah, you got that million-dollar house and that half-million-dollar raise or whatever. (laughs) Exaggerating, but you don't get the point. So obviously God's grace in my life is measly, piddly not that important or the opposite narration right is someone who's like i don't make that much money i don't have that i don't have time for those kind of blessings i just donate all my time and i give all my and and they're they out narrate you not by noticing the blessings you have from god but just by saying i'm a better person than you right i'm 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 get more giving i'm more helpful i'm more whatever And again, they're out narrating you most often by trying to say, I deserve what I have. I deserve to view myself well. Why? Because I'm a good person. I give 
to the poor, and I help in these ways. And they, in a sense, they're trying to out-narrate this story about God. Why? Because so many people in the world believe some version of karma, just like the Jews did, that you deserve what you get. And grace isn't like that. Grace comes to us that we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. God steps into our story. And they just want us to shut up. They want us to be quiet. They want us to give in to their narrative of how life should work. And notice what he does here again. He just questions the demands. He doesn't fight back at them so much as he just questions it. He's like, why do you want to hear again? And this is kind of amazing what you believe. I can't, I can't believe you actually kind of believe this because we know some big things about God and, and your version of this just doesn't work. And, and whenever we are out narrated, maybe it's because they're demanding some version of we deserve what we get. One way to push back at that in a kind way is just to question that. It's to say, well, do we always deserve what we get? Uh, it seems to me like a story of, of, of I, earn, I work and I earn and therefore I get is sometimes not what we always want to, <laughs> the way we always want to live by. But what I want you to see from this story is Regardless how the, how the man responds, what happens in the story is that Jesus shows up. Notice John chapter 9, verse 35. And, and here we get to kind of, the, in, in order for us to tell stories of grace, the main thing we need to do is trust the shepherd of our story. To trust the shepherd of your story. Notice John 9, 35. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for, ju for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. It, what Jesus does is he steps into the story and he's like, hey, if you're out narrating a story of grace, <laughs> you're blind. <laughs> and not only are you really blind, but you're actually guilty because you're moving away from God's grace to your own effort and your own, your own achievement. And of course, that will ultimately fail. And what's, what's unfortunate is John 9 into John 10, this break here, is a lot of times chapter breaks are good. They tell, they, they encapsulate the story. But in this case, John 9 goes into John 10, and the first part of John 10 is the end of the story. So you can't read John 9 and end where we just ended and be like, okay, I've got the whole story. I've figured it out. Because John, Jesus goes on, and he's like, hey, you've you got to understand, I'm... He, in a sense, what happens is he steps in and he's now, he's moved it from a focus on the man and how the man is telling his story and what's really happened in this story, and he's now defending this man. He's saying, he's saying it's, this is not about the man anymore. This is about me, because it's always been about me. 
And I'll take up the defense of this man's story. I'll take up the, the defense of what's happening here. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, I'm taking this man under my wing, so to speak, which is grace in itself, is it not? Because Jesus steps into the story and he says, he's in John chapter 10, his beginning, he's like, look, robbers come in and they, they're there and, and they steal from the sheep and people don't get it. And so he explains further. So in John chapter 10 and verse 7, he says this. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that a story of God's grace in our lives? To have it abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know my Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up makes it from me but i lay it down of my own accord i have authority to lay it down and i have authority to take it up again this charge i received from my father here jesus is uh he's he's entering into this defense of this former blind man and he's like you know what i stepped into the story and the point is i stepped in i'm the shepherd of the sheep i'm not gonna flee when the wolves come I'm, I'm going to defend my sheep. I'm going to provide for them. And here we have you know, two aspects of God's race, right? There's that Emmanuel aspect where God comes in and he's with us in the middle of our story. And at the same time, he's also the shepherd, the one who provides and protects in the middle of our story. And, and both of those are happening here. There's an author who, you know, authors like their characters, right? And, and, and there was an author who was describing one of his characters named Kilgore. And he's like, this guy is one character in, in the story, in my stories, who had enough imagination to believe that there was something outside that was controlling his story. And so he's, he's wondering why his life is a series of tragedies and, and trauma and, and difficulties and, and sorrows in his life. And in a sense, in, in, in the author comes into the story and it's trying to explain why the story is happening. You get it right? So it's like, it's like the author is trying to engage his own character. Like, why did you write my story the way you did? And the author is like, well, I mean, I just, in a sense, I wanted to sell books. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, wanted, I was just playing with the story because I, I'm just trying to figure this out. And, and, and over time, the, the, the character realizes that in some ways he doesn't exist except in uh, the author's imagination. And sometimes we can wonder that about our own lives. Like, why is God just like doing whatever he wants with my story? But 
what you see from John 10 is Jesus is stepping in and he's saying, no, I'm not playing with this man's story. This is not just God doing things for kicks and giggles. No, I'm, I'm entering in to the story. I've become a part of the story and so much a part of the story that I'm willing to die to protect my sheep. I'm willing to give my life for those I love. And this is the true shepherd. The stories are really about him. This story about a man born blind is about the man born blind, but it's, it's also a story about Jesus. How Jesus enters into and cares for one of his sheep. And you know what? Sometimes we think of our stories and we think, well, I don't have a story like Christopher Carrier earlier where I got shot and God used it, or I don't have a story like this man who was born blind and, 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 he, and he healed him, but God's grace is just as amazing in your life. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and God made you alive. And, and the way that looks is unique to you. It's unique to how God has worked in your life if you've trusted in Christ. And if you haven't, and he's still working that direction, I hope that you would trust in Christ as the shepherd of your soul. But, but if he's working like that, then you've got to trust the shepherd. <laughs> trust the shepherd in the midst of the gaps in your stories. Where you're like, I don't know how this is going. What is going on here? The shepherd is still in control. The shepherd gave his life for you. You can trust him. You can trust the shepherd when, when the, those doubts creep in and those disbelieving voices pop up and like, where is your shepherd? Where is he? And it's okay to say, I don't know. Because God's grace is not in our knowledge. It's not in our power. It's not in our wisdom. It's in the wisdom and power and control of God the Almighty. And some people try to out-narrate your stories and say, you know what, this is all really about how much you deserve what you deserve. You know, a lot of people would rather tell hero stories than grace stories. You know, where they're the hero of the story. What they did and what they accomplished is what matters. And a, a, a phrase I ran across that I thought was helpful is, in, in reality, for Christians, we tell more saint stories. You know, saints are those people who had something that was hard and difficult, and, and yet, by God's grace, they overcame. It's not about us, ultimately. So the question really is, what kind of stories are you telling? What kind of stories are you telling? Because if you are a believer in Christ, you are redeemed. You are adopted into his family. You are his. And yes, you are facing difficulties and questions and concerns and heartaches. But God is still the author of your story, and your shepherd is the one who gave his life for you. Can you trust that? Can you walk in that? Can you listen to that and, and, and trust in that even when people doubt, even when you doubt, even when people make demands? 
You see, we want to be a, a scripture-driven family that disciples in grace and truth, to, to, to be a family together that shares the stories of God's grace, right? To speak what God is doing in our lives, in the little things, in the big things. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about His grace in our lives. So, so we're going to go on a journey for, for several weeks here, thinking about stories of grace in our lives and how to tell them. And I've just shared with you the challenges to it, and there's, there's more. But, but my goal is for you is for you to be able to think carefully on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. What's God doing, and how can I talk about it? Sometimes you, you won't be able to because you're like, the story's not written fully yet. I don't have a story yet. I'm in the middle. <laughs> Sometimes you'll be like, and, you know, I've got one, but I'm <laughs> if I start talking, somebody's going to doubt. How, how do I handle that? What do I do? How do I talk about it? But we have an awesome privilege to talk about God's grace, to tell the stories of God's grace, because there are so many stories of God's grace in this room that deserve to be heard because of how great and awesome our God is. So here's just two quick things, really, that I've been thinking about and implementing and that help me to think about and tell stories of grace. The first one is, when you get up in the morning, ask for God's grace in a, in a specific way, okay? doesn't mean that God's going to, like, answer that specific request every day, and you're like, oh, I know how he answered it. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, if you start the day expecting grace in your life, it's a lot easier to notice it than if you start the day not expecting God's grace in your life. Do you see the difference? So can you, can you start every day and just pray for God's grace in a specific way? second thing to do is at the end of the day then can you spend a little time just reviewing God's grace in your life like have I noticed anything <laughs> and to be honest I've been doing this for a while now sometimes it's it's hard because you're like I've been focused on all these other things rather than God's grace or man it just seems like I get a bunch of stuff done and I don't have any bigger picture but often when you take time to do that in the midst of you thinking about your day, you realize, oh, God did step in. I, I, I wouldn't, if I hadn't stopped and thought about it, I wouldn't have noticed. And so start, just start there. Pray in the morning, consider in the evening. And my goal really is for you to be able to have five to ten stories of grace that not, or just not just things that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago, but something that happened this week, last week, last month that you can share. So that's, that's what I'd love for you to be able to do. And one of the ways that might help with this is the next slide up is, is, our, is our number for text. If you want to text the church and just text GRACE to that number, at, it's our church number. If you're like, I want to be able to do this and I want help in doing that, we're going to form a group of just people who are interested in, in, in getting all the way there, so to speak, and be able to tell five to ten stories of grace in their life. And if you'd like to be a part of that group, you can just text that number. I'll form that group. We'll start, we'll start, we'll start communicating together and start just helping each other to think through the stories of grace in our lives. Why? Because God's grace is amazing. The more I thought about God's grace, the more I loved God's grace in my life. 
And yes, sometimes it's the hard things God brings in, but he's doing it out of grace. And sometimes I don't always like what God brings in, and I'm trying to wrestle with it. Okay, God, what are you doing? That's, this isn't just pie in the sky. Everything's going to be happy and good. But it is true that I was a sinner, <laughs> rebellious against him, doing my own way, doing my own things, wanting my own happiness, and headed for destruction. And God stepped into my life. I heard about Jesus. I heard about his love for me. I heard that he died on the cross for me. I heard that he rose again from the grave. And that changed my life. And not just 20, 30 years ago, but even today and last week and last month, this year, God's grace continues to work and show up in my life. And I want to tell those stories. Will you do that with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. In the midst of our stories, in the midst of the things that we're seeking to accomplish and, and we're handling and we're living with, you step in. Because our lives are not just about us, they're about the works of God that you want to display in us. And so, Lord, help us to see those stories. Help us to tell stories of grace so that our children and our grandchildren and our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers might see your grace as well. In your son's name we pray.